This is your moment, your time to shine, your comeback. You're ready for the next step in your career, and you want an education employers respect. So you're not just going back to school. You're coming back with Purdue Global. Backed by Purdue University, one of the nation's most respected public universities, Purdue Global is built for people who bring their life experience into the online classroom. Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. I'm Diosa. And I'm Mala. We are the creators of Locatora Radio, a radiophonic novella, which is a fancy way of saying... A, a podcast. podcast. Welcome to Locatora Radio Season 9. Love, love at First, first listen. listen. This season, we're falling in love with podcasting all over again. With new segments, correspondence, and a new sound. Listen to Locatora Radio as part of the Michael Dura Podcast Network, available on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Delve into the visceral world of hip hop with the Gangster Chronicles. Hosted by MC8 and Big Steel, is every Thursday already a know. podcast that aims to unravel the intricate tapestry of one of music's most influential and misunderstood subgenres, gangster rap. Let's go. Gangster Chronicles unpacks the evolution of this uniquely American art form, offering listeners a comprehensive understanding of the significance this genre holds. Listen to the Gangster Chronicles on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, or wherever you get your podcasts. Do you remember grammar? set of rules we learned as kids, often reluctantly and with great annoyance, about how to use language. I've been thinking a lot about grammar and how it can reveal power and the abuse of it in a system. In fact, I built a whole TED Talk on deconstructing racism based on deconstructing sentences. Thank you, English teachers of the world. I collected many headlines for that talk, headlines that chronicled white people calling the police on black people, and I saw a devastating pattern of abuse of power. White woman calls cops on black man expecting his own property can easily turn into police shoot unarmed black man on suspicion of trespassing. In my case, the structure I saw was as follows. A subject, white person, takes an action, calls police against the target, black person, for engaging in some activity, inspecting property. It was then fun for me to imagine what would happen if we reordered that sentence. Have the black man call the cops on the white woman or change his activity to something absurdly innocent, say bird watching. Or what if, and this is the big if, she changed her action and didn't call the damn cops. What if she simply waved at the man? And that's it. That's the TED Talk. I saved you like 16 minutes and 50 seconds of your life having to watch the video. Point is, I've been using language professionally, for decades, as a writer, as a speaker, as a performer, and yet, like all of us, I have things to learn. Fortunately, I found a great teacher, and I'm going to share him and his lessons with you. Let me tell you about how I came to know a man named Yadon Israel. It was a long time ago in a place far, far away, June, the year 2020, to be precise, but it feels like a long time ago and far, far away. And I was exhausted and near broken. I was grieving George Floyd. I was grieving the United States of America. I was grieving myself. And I was doing a lot of talking and answering questions about race. And all my Zoom sessions blurred into one until I was invited to participate in something different. Khadija Osani is a self-described cultural engineer and creative strategist. And she invited me to a special online salon 
that she called home. Or is it OM? It was it's spelled the French way. It was H-O-M-M-E. So I'm like, oh, OM. Because like meditation. But it was like home because we we're coming home. Either way, it's this combination of art and wellness and cultural conversation space. And I wasn't really sure what I was signing up for. But I knew she was cool, creative, black lady who would not steer me wrong. And the invite promised that someone named Yadan Israel, who I had heard of and briefly met before but couldn't place him, will be the moderator of the meditation and conversation on analyzing the structure of headlines to reframe slash revert the gaze away from the victims as racial objects back to the racial subjects perpetuating the problem. I mean, who wouldn't go to that? That's an instant click. In that salon, we were joined by writer, organizer, and educator Mahogany Brown. And it was a great gathering. But I'm not here just to flex on how dope my Zooms are. And they're very dope. I'm here to share a lesson that I'll never forget. I'll sum it up very simply. George Floyd wasn't killed by Derek Chauvin. Derek Chauvin killed George Floyd. How we say things changes what we're saying. And Yadon opened my eyes to the ways in which our media outlets and we ourselves can abuse language and particularly the passive voice. And in so doing, we remove accountability for devastating action. Yadon would know he is a master linguist wordsmith. He's got mad credits. He's an educator. He's an entrepreneur. He's a writer, an editor the founder of Literary Swag, this cultural movement intersecting literature and fashion to make books cool. He teaches creative writing at both the New School and City College in New York. He's the former editor-in-chief of Brooklyn Magazine. Like I said, the man knows words. So we sat down in Zoom to talk about the power of language and the risk of misusing it, especially on the subject of racism, violence, and systems of oppression. It starts with our taking for granted that our words matter. George Orwell has this quote that language corrupts thought and thought corrupts language. So it's like a tautological circle. And for people who don't know what tautological means, it's basically a, a circular logic. So it's like, I think before I am, I am before I think. But the sort of analogy he uses, like, I drink because I'm a failure. I'm a failure because I, I drink. And when you find yourself in that sort of what I call a linguistic poverty, where you do not have language to disrupt the way your brain processes information, even when you're introduced to new information, you run it through the same filter that you already think through. Right. And so the language barrier lecture started because I spend a lot of time reading through comment threads on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. And what I particularly like to do is study a conversation between parties or between people and look at where the understanding or the communication breaks down, when the barrier appears, right? And it's interesting how people who have access to the same words do not have access a lot of times to the same language. And by what I mean by that is that a lot of people, and this is all of us, have our own lived experience with words, but we do not have the definition of the word we're using. So for example, a word like racism, it's a loaded word, not only because there is so many quote unquote definitions, but because when that word is thrown out, there is a reaction that's wholly private that plays itself out in public. Meaning if I say someone's racist, right? A person is not necessarily hearing what my definition is when I call them racist, 
they're responding to their idea of what I mean by the word. So in that moment, we have the same words, but we have different languages. Right. And so what I've learned and what reason why I created these language barrier um, lectures was because I saw and I saw this as a teacher that most times when you're in a classroom and you ask the definition of a word, most people give you an example of the word, not the definition. So basic example, I'll ask, like, what is red? And they'll say an apple. And I'm like, no, an apple is an example of mm -hmm. red. What is red? They'll think. And then eventually somebody arrive at, oh, it's a color. Right. And so when you think about definitions, you're thinking about what do words mean? All that tends to point to is the fact that many of us do not have a basic definition for a word, a basic meaning. And so a lot of my classes and what these language lectures were structured around was let's develop a common language and a common understanding of meaning before we even talk about anything. We have to first establish a foundational language structure that we're using. Can we, so make, when I, can we yeah. make that your class like a prerequisite? Or entering into my mentions is that is that possible? Yeah, yeah. I think that that's a, a a great way to engage with people is before we anytime we engage is to first establish. Wait, what do you mean when you say X? Mm. And this is something I learned when I was, you know, a lot of my time I spent as a professional uh, used to argue with white people on on social as a professional. And, as you a professional, like that, I would, I would, I would wake up at nine. I would clock in at nine, <laughs> take a break at twelve, clock back in at one thirty, and 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 go today. And what a lot of those arguments were about was me trying to use language as a weapon, right? And what I mean by weaponizing language was I had access to definitions that I wasn't making available to the person I was talking to, and I also knew or assumed that this person had the same access that I'd had to the language that they had. So I thought it was a sincere argument. And so when I'm, you know, an argument busting someone's ass, I don't know if I can curse on here with, with language. And I'm like, you know, pulling references and, and someone's like, they can't even follow the argument. So they're like, well, that's why you, you know, black people ain't shit anyway. When they would just pivot, I would follow their pivots, not recognizing in that moment, like this person doesn't even know what I just said. The language that I have is operating at a level that's like not above, right? It's mm -hmm. like, they're just, it's just, they just don't have access to those definitions. But I saw it with black people. And I just saw it a lot of times. I, I'm just assuming we know the same things. And so one of the frameworks I introduce when I talk to anybody, right, is like when someone says, oh, that's racist, even with black people, even with someone I've known for a long time, is I go, wait, what do you mean when you say racist? Mm. And what I do more in conversation is I get, I inquire more about someone's definitions to understand the framework they're coming from before I engage. Whereas before I was engaging first and only and expending a lot of language and wasting a lot of time talking to someone I thought I understood me. So a way to think about this is if somebody was speaking French, French is not a language I speak. I don't try to argue with that person because I already know we don't understand each other. But what's the assumption of English, and this is to your main question, what do you see a lot is that because we have access to the same words, we feel like we have access to the same language. So it's like, oh, this person understands me. Mm. And that is not what's happening 95% of the time we talk to anybody. Even someone we, you grew up with, you assume you know every, like, oh, we, we come from the same world, but we all have different relationships to the world. 
we have different thoughts about this world. So that means our language is charged very differently. And so the way we don't take each other for granted and the way we honor each other, the way we see each other in this world is before we engage with somebody is we first ask, or I first ask, what world are you coming from? Right. So I know, okay, when I'm talking to you, I have a word for that world that you speak to that actually isn't the word you would use. And it's like, how do we translate to each other our values and meanings to develop a, a different type of conversation or develop a conversation? A conversation. Well, that, I mean, it is a very empathetic, cautious, and I think even like respectful way to engage with another person, which is like, pause. Right. Where are you coming from? <laughs> right. Right. I don't think this word means what you think it means, but or maybe it doesn't mean what I think it means to you. Right. And right. so you can try to get on the same page. Right. So one of the reasons that I wanted to talk to you is we did uh, this Ohm series with Khadijah a few yeah, shout out to Khadijah. weeks ago. And, and Mo too. And Mo, that's right. Poet, poet Mo. And this idea of how the media is telling the story of this moment Mm -hmm. uh, in, with a passive voice. And mm -hmm. I'm sensitive to grammar because the sentence diagramming in my own TED talk, and then I saw what you did. And so I want you to share what you did for okay. me, which is put me on hyper alert for statements like George Floyd was killed. Right. Uh, George Floyd died in police custody. Mm -hmm. Breonna Taylor was shot, got shot. Yeah. Can you? Tell us what those statements maybe should sound like and, and, and where your position on that comes from. Yeah, so uh, just to give people a basic framework of the English language. <laughs> Professor nah, Hat, nah. here we yeah, go. Yeah, yeah, nah. And you it's like you people, know people will laugh and you know what happens is what you said is interesting. Is like a lot of us have trauma around language. Yeah. So having Europeans strip our language from us somewhere so we don't even know what our original language sounds like to the point that we have this language that doesn't belong to us. But then also... Just in, on a more personal level, like elementary school, having to learn subject and predicate and all those things and just brain just going like, I don't get it. I don't need to know this and just shutting off. And because people weaponize grammar, it becomes another site for trauma because now you're getting like beat over the head with something you don't even know. Mm. You don't even know what it is, but you're getting hit with it. You know, anytime someone hears grammar, they're like, oh, shit, nah, I don't want to no, hear it. No one so, likes to feel dumb. Right, right. Right. And what happens with that process when I hit you with something, it's assuming what I'm saying in that motion of attacking you in a moment of vulnerability is saying, you know this already. And so a person goes, damn, why didn't I know that? As opposed to no, there are so few people who know this. Right. So to understand the basic unit of an of a English language sentence is to understand that the basic definition of a sentence is it's a complete thought. Delve into the visceral world of hip-hop with the Gangsta Chronicles, a podcast that aims to unravel the intricate tapestry of one of music's most influential and misunderstood subgenres, gangsta rap. Hosted by MC8 and Big Steels every Thursday, each episode provides an in-depth exploration into the formative artists, monumental albums, and socio-political factors that have shaped gangsta rap from its emergence in the 80s to its enduring impact today. Gangsta Chronicles unpacks the evolution of this uniquely American art form. We dive into the socio-cultural aspects that gangsta rap boldly addressed from police brutality 
to systemic racism, offering listeners a comprehensive understanding of the profound cultural significance this genre holds. Listen to the Gangster Chronicles on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, or wherever you get your podcasts. Let's go. Hey, my name's Jay Shetty, and I'm the host of On Purpose. I just had a great conversation with Michael B. Jordan, and you can listen to it right now. Michael is known for his performances in both film and television. His breakout role was in Fruitvale Station, playing Oscar Grant, which earned him widespread praise and numerous award nominations. His portrayal of Killmonger in Marvel's Black Panther, one of my favorites, further solidified his status as one of Hollywood's leading actors, earning him widespread acclaim for his complex and compelling performance. In our conversation, Michael really opens up. You're going to love listening to it and I can't wait for you to check it out. The closest to getting what you want is always the hardest. It's always the feeling when you're getting ready to, you know, people give up right before they get what they've always wanted to get. People quit. Listen to On Purpose with Jay Shetty on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Elliot Connie, and this is Family Therapy. My best hopes, I guess, identify the life that I want and, and work towards it. I never seen a man take care of my mother the way she needed to be taken care of. I get the impression that you don't feel like you've done everything right as a father. Is that true? That's true. And I'm not offended by that. Thank you for for going through those things and thank you for overcoming them. Wow. Thank God for the limits. Every time I have one of our sessions, our sessions be positive. It just keeps me going. I feel like my focus is redirected in a different aspect of my life now. So, how'd we do today? We did good. The Black Effect presents Family Therapy. Listen now on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. And what a complete thought means is that there is three parts to a sentence. Every sentence, for it to be a complete thought, it has to have a subject, which is the thing doing the action, which comes first, to the object, the verb, which is the action the subject does to the verb, which comes second, following the subject, and then third is the object, which is the thing the subject is acting on. That is the order of an English sentence. So that is a a complete thought. Subject, verb, object. Now, in basic grammar school, we're just taught about the subject and the predicate. What that means is what a thought we believe or we have been taught in the common framework of language is that a sentence is what someone does. So a sentence like that would be, I walk. Now, that is a thought, but it isn't complete because that thought doesn't have an object translation, that thought does not have an objective. So that person who walked, why are they walking? What are they walking to? You don't know because there's no object. Read, there is no objective. So even from a young age, the way we're educated is to think not in complete thoughts, but already in incomplete thoughts. Mm. We're only thinking about our actions in the world, not the objective of our actions. So you're already operating, and this is what's going to come to the passive and active voice, is when your framework, and many of us have grown up like this, it's the reason why we don't understand like how something we didn't mean to do could still happen. 
because our framework is just, well, this is what I did. So you can't tell me that the object who was affected by my action is what I meant to do. So the subject verb object is that the subject does the action to the object. So the subject's action has an objective. Every subject's action has an objective. Oh, there that's is like a, a mantra. Every subject's right. action has an objective. Got it. Okay. Right. So that's what makes us human beings, right? So when we talk about subjectivity, it's seen in the sentence structure. Subjects act. Subjects have agency with an objective. Okay. So without an objective, you do not have an action. <clears throat> without an action, you don't have a subject. So when I talk about the definitions of a sentence, it's important that when talking about one part of the sentence, you understand that every part of the sentence implicates another part. Thus, it's a complete thought because all parts of your thoughts are connected to one another. There is no parts operating isol- in isolation. Mm-hmm. So now when we come to the subject verb object of subject verb object of a sentence and active voice, active voice is about the arrangement of accountability and power. By that, I mean the subject does the action to the object. So the subject comes first, the verb that the subject doing is coming second, and then that the object that the subject is doing the verb to comes last. Grammar is about the way we arrange power in language. So if an example is men kill women in the sentence, men is the subject, kill is the verb, women are the object. In that framework, you know that men are killing women. So the objective of men committing like this of, of killing someone is to do it to women. So when you interrogate that sentence, you hold the subject accountable because the subject is the one doing the thing. Now, what I always show is what a passive voice sentence looks like, which is women are killed by men. Now, what happens in that reworking of the framework, the objective of the sentence becomes the subject of the sentence. And then what happens from there is that the verb, which is supposed to be killed, isn't killed now. It becomes are. And there's something that's essential to understanding about verbs, that there are two types of verbs. Mm -hmm. There are plot-based verbs. And by plot-based verbs, I mean like things that operate in the physical world. So things we taste, touch, hear, see, smell. Mm -hmm. Then there are state-of-being verbs is, am, was, are, were. Yeah. Those are verbs that describe internal states of being. Versus so what like happens- external actions as well. Right. right. So what happens in passive voice is that the verbs go from something we see concretely in active voice to something that becomes an idea about perception. So in active voice, it's not men are killed women. It's men kill women. It's directive. It's direct. It's like, okay, I see who's doing what to whom. When you say women are killed by men, it now shifts the role of the actor to the object, meaning that the object has no power. So the man couldn't help but to kill a woman because she's a woman. And so in that framework, what that does, that passive construction, is it gets us to actively interrogate the subject. So we ask a woman, well, why did she get killed? Oh, the object. No, it, but oh, see, this they, is. They be, they've been made the same. It be, so it. it's like it literally creates a cognitive dissonance in your brain where even though you know that's supposed to be the object, you still treat it like a subject.
Delve into the visceral world of hip-hop with the Gangster Chronicles, a podcast that aims to unravel the intricate tapestry of one of music's most influential and misunderstood subgenres, gangster rap. Hosted by MC8 and Big Steels every Thursday, each episode provides an in-depth exploration into the formative artists, monumental albums, and socio-political factors that have shaped gangster rap from its emergence in the 80s to its enduring impact today. Gangster Chronicles unpacks the evolution of this uniquely American art form. We dive into the socio-cultural aspects that gangster rap boldly addressed, from police brutality to systemic racism, offering listeners a comprehensive understanding of the profound cultural significance this genre holds. Listen to the Gangster Chronicles on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, or wherever you get your podcasts. Let's go. Hey, my name's Jay Shetty, and I'm the host of On Purpose. I just had a great conversation with Michael B. Jordan, and you can listen to it right now. Michael is known for his performances in both film and television. His breakout role was in Fruitvale Station, playing Oscar Grant, which earned him widespread praise and numerous award nominations. His portrayal of Killmonger in Marvel's Black Panther, one of my favorites, further solidified his status as one of Hollywood's leading actors, earning him widespread acclaim for his complex and compelling performance. In our conversation, Michael really opens up. You're going to love listening to it, and I can't wait for you to check it out. The closest to getting what you want is always the hardest. It's always the feeling when you're getting ready that, you know, people give up right before they get what they've always wanted to get. People quit. Listen to On Purpose with Jay Shetty on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcasts. Danielle Moody here, host of the Woke AF Daily podcast. We've been with iHeart's Outspoken Network for a year, and what a year it has been. Every weekday, I navigate our rapidly changing world alongside our series of fabulous expert guests. As we head deeper into 2024 and yet another life-changing election cycle, Woke AF Daily is here to keep you sane and woke. Woke not just to the latest headlines, but also to the collective power we all have. Woke to the need to build community with those around us. Woke to how to avoid burnout and woke to the ways we can all find joy in the madness. Make Woke AF Daily with Danielle Moody your podcast destination for 2024 election news and analysis. And tune in to hear the ways I am working to stay grounded amidst it all. Listen to Woke AF Daily Season 5 on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. My mind is awakened to this and like my radar is very active. And I listen to read a lot of media and everybody's guilty. Everybody's guilty. And, you know, for example, not to throw a particular outlet under the bus, but like National Public Radio, I listened to their quick little up firsty kind of podcast and it's mad passive. (laughs) And and I think and I suspect though that part of the their intention is Mm -hmm. they've been hearing hashtag say her name, hashtag Mm -hmm. say their names, remember them, honor them. Right. And so they're like, we're doing the right thing. We're leading with Brianna. We're leading right. with George. What do you want right. from us? Right, so, right, right. So how do you think about the say her name or say their names desire to honor the fallen right. um, while also holding the appropriate party responsible for right. a real action? So I know like part of, part of like controlling narratives is changing the structure, right? 
So if we start talking about the killer too much, then we're not talking about the victim. So we want to talk about the victim to humanize the victim. But once again, it's a function of cognitive dissonance to disrupt the language because the language is complete. If I say Derek Chauvin killed George Floyd, or if I say, and I don't even have the police, all of the three police officers who are accountable for Breonna Taylor's death on hand. And that's part of the challenge, say, right? The three allowed officers, to be anonymous. Yeah. Right, like the three, no, and their names are there, I just don't have them on, because it's like one name is easy to remember the three, right? Yeah. So we, I don't have the three names that killed Breonna Taylor. The fact of the matter of the language is, is like if I have a complete thought, I'm able to focus on two things at the same time because it's essentially one thought. Mm -hmm. So the language that we use in the world is an extension of the language we understand in our own brains, which is, and this is the, the, the quote by um, F. Scott Fitzgerald that I often say in my class and just when dealing with language is that a first rate intelligence, quote unquote, not saying you're smart, is the ability to hold two opposing ideas in your mind at the same time and still be able to function. Because of the frameworks in which so many of us have been educated to think on a grammatical level, which is subject verb, not subject verb object, right? So subject verb agreement, right? Everything is about what someone does, not what someone does, not the objective that someone does something or the person or the object that someone does something to. We are from young already disconnected from other people's yeah. objects. Yeah. We're disconnecting from our own objectives of language. So, so many objectives are missing from it. So it's like you want to honor Brianna Taylor by saying her name. How does saying her name honor her? Right. And if you ask that question, and I mean this on a linguistic level, it gets received. Someone receives it as you saying that she's not important. Someone receives it as you saying she doesn't matter. Whereas the language that I'm coming at this with is it's about understanding what is the true objective of your action. So in saying Brianna Taylor's name, what is the objective? Mm. Right. What do you want to happen? Right. And so even when you say justice for Brianna Taylor, what becomes the verb? If I ask you, yeah. what's the verb? in it? Can't can identify one. I mean, justice right. is trying to act like a verb, but it's, no, but justice it's, is the subject. Yeah. Right. Because we have justice subject for. That's operating where the verb sh should be. Brianna Taylor is the object, but justice is a noun. What is for? Oh, you got me, Professor. It's not a no. I mean, a verb. it's not a verb. It's, it's not, not a verb, right? A so, what is for? Yeah. And I'm a I'm gonna type this up right now because I'm like sometimes when I do these things off the top, I don't want to like miscommunicate. Yeah, yeah. Before is a preposition. Yeah, good. Right. So it's the whew. it's the thing that sets a verb up. Right. Right. It's a it's it's the thing that like it's the alley hoop of a verb. <laughs> right. It's like because of. So it's yeah. used as a function to indicate suitability. So we want justice for Breonna Taylor. But because even in that statement, yeah. there is no actual action. There is no true subject. Yeah. And there's no true objective. It's, it's abstract, so actually. Yes. You're just like, yes. justice by who? Who's right. supposed to deliver it? Are you asking for justice from the state, from the mayor, right. from the people? Right. Like. Because otherwise, it's just this floating abstract idea of justice that no one is responsible for. And mm -hmm. so you kind of let some unnamed actor, some unnamed subject off the right. hook. 
And what I do with language is show you how high the stakes always are. When talking, when using any language, yeah. the stakes are always high. And so to understand that anytime you open your mouth, that there is the stakes, this is life and death for any of us, whoever. Yeah. It changes the way you interact with the world. And an immature reaction is to not want to engage, to say, I'm just not going to talk. It's not only immature, but it's an irresponsible way because like your brain is still doing the work. So you're still thinking the thoughts. But once you start to put language out into the world and you can see what that language does, that's when you can begin to revise and interrogate. Well, why did I say it that way? Is there another way I could have said it? Right. And so what those language barrier lectures are doing is, is equipping people who need this language the most with the understanding of the language that they use. And it's all someone's always using against us. And we're a lot of times the victims of language. Because what that language does is that we read that language passively, we internalize it passively, but then it actively works on our brain. Yeah, so it's man. literally like every day we go on a computer and we're clicking spam accounts, like literally like spam, like we're clicking all these things, we're clicking fake news sites. We even read it. The virus is already in our computer yeah. and is working its way through our files. And then when we say some shit to somebody else, we just said that thing we read. And then it's like, where'd you read that? I can't remember. Who wrote that? I don't know. <laughs> so it's like information is getting passed through these filters and none of us know who to hold accountable. Yeah. And so that's what the language lectures are doing is it's challenging people to take an active role and active participation in their in their language. You know, I'm, I'm thinking about um, the depths of this lack of accountability in language. Mm -hmm. And, you know, when you put the object, the target in a sentence and put them in the driver's seat, essentially make them the subject, make George Floyd the subject of his own murder um, right. or make black people the subject of our own Violence. victimization. Black people die at black people are more vulnerable. Black. Right. And you're right, like, right. What is wrong with these black people? Exactly. They can't get anything together. Right. They're they're destroying themselves. Grammatically. Uh -huh. And so even those who are doing the great social science work and trying to get that message out, the message is being perverted in, you know, hold up. That was passive. There you go. Those who deliver information unto us, especially in the media, sometimes even us ourselves, are holding the objects responsible for their own demise, holding people so, responsible for their so own oppression. Even in your framing, right? It's not passive, but that yeah. that verb, right? Are holding. Yeah. Think how different and more powerful is holding, mm -hmm. right? Because when you say are holding, it's a state of being. It's right. a perception. They when hold you say us holding, accountable. Oh. Right. The person who is solely responsible for what they say is how art is moving this world. Yeah. So the reason why art is such a fundamental threat to this American empire we have, because art is the only language that we have through comedy, through music, through literature, through film, through painting, through every medium we have in art is one of the few things that challenges us to hold the people in power accountable. Anything that functions outside of the arts, the businesses, the law, the media, it functions to maintain those power structures by being passive. Right? It goes, eh, well, like, I don't want to be sued. And it's like, so because you don't want to be sued, you're not going to tell it like it is. Well, I don't want to be sued.
But every day we do that work as artists. We put mm -hmm. ourselves out there. I'm just as vulnerable as being sued as New York Times, but I've accepted with the, the stakes of my language, that's what I'm willing to do to create a language of accountability. That's one of the reasons why, like, when you read the media, understand that the media is not on our side. And when I say on our side, what I mean is if you are on the side of holding systems and people who create systems accountable, because systems don't create themselves, right? People when we are talking systems, about the people yes. who uphold systems accountable and you're on the side of accountability, a media publication is not functioning on its own. It's often functioning on the interests of the people who uphold those systems because media is itself a tool of those systems. Mm. So it's imperative to read these things understanding that the people who create these media publications have their own objectives. And instead of assuming that the news is just for us to be informed, it's like, what is this media publication trying to inform us of? What does this media publication want us to see? What do the people who publish these things want us to see? And what can we hope and what and what's the function of it? Because so many of us know the people who write for New York Times. Sometimes there's even less of us who know who edits the pieces at New York Times. But there's a minority of us who knows who actually is the publisher of the Times, of Fox, of Breitbart, of like the actual person who has the power. And what that means is to not be aligned with that true subject's power is to not really know that the head editor is the object of that publisher's power, the writer is an object of that publisher's power, the stories, it's objective behind objective behind objective. Mm -hmm. It's like the series of middle management before you reach the person who has the power. Right. And that's what this language has done to us. Is like we're so disconnected from the subject that we are all objects of this power. So the objective of the language that we read in the media is to create a passive thinking in our framework so that we don't have a language to hold anything accountable. Mind blown. I am literally doing that thing with my hand where I like exploded out the side of my head for dramatic visual effect. Yes, for a podcast. But now you can see me doing it. To repeat Professor Israel's closing line, and I'm going to call him Professor Israel right now, quote, the object of the language that we read in the media is to create a passive thinking in our framework so that we don't have a language to hold anything accountable. This got to me because we're in the fight for our lives as ever, and I'm feeling like we may be making some progress. And it turns out we're not just up against systemic racism in the form of policing policy, for example. We're up against and complicit in it by the use of language to subjugate and evade proper assignment of responsibility. Mind blown. For me, it also drove home this idea of moving the object into the subject's place, putting victims of racism or violence in the driver's seat. Women are killed by men? Well, that begs the question, what are these women doing to get themselves killed? George Floyd was killed by police? Well, what was he doing to make that happen? Must have been terrible. Or if we zoom out, black people suffer from. Black people are vulnerable to. Black people earn less than. I mean, what is going on with these black people? Just suffer less. Be less vulnerable. Earn more, black people. We've all been guilty of weaponizing language in a way that 
shifts the responsibility onto oppressed people. We have used language deeply, structurally, to blame the victim. Mm. I want you to follow Yadon on Instagram, Y-A-H-D-O-N. Visit his website, yadonisrael.com, and you can enroll there in his Language Barriers Lecture Series. Khadija Oseni is on Instagram as well. Jet Setter Problems is the handle, and her home series, or is it OM series, lives on IG as well. H-O-M-E, the series. Both of these are in the show notes, so you can tap there and type less. Meanwhile, stay vigilant. I know I can no longer read or listen to passive voice reporting anymore without constantly correcting the language. Just like my high school English teacher, I'm redlining all this abuse of language in the name of freedom. I hope you do too. We're Having a Moment is a production of iHeartRadio Podcasts. Executive produced by Miles Gray, Nick Stumpf, and Baratunde Thurston. Produced by Joelle Smith and Elizabeth Stewart. Edited by Justin Smith. Music by Aloe Black. You can find my email newsletter and a lot more at baratunde.com. If you do the social things, find me on Instagram at baratunde. And if you like text messaging, well, send me one. That's right, you can text me right now. 202-894-8844. Just put the text WHAM WHAM in the message. I'm Diosa. And I'm Mala. We are the creators of Locatora Radio, a radiophonic novella, which is a fancy way of saying a, a podcast. podcast. Welcome to Locatora Radio Season 9. Love, Love at first, first listen. listen. This season, we're falling in love with podcasting all over again. With new segments, correspondence, and a new sound. Listen to Locatora Radio as part of the Michael Dura Podcast Network, available on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Black Effect presents Family Therapy, and I'm your host, Elliot Connie. Jay is the woman in this dynamic who is currently co-parenting two young boys with her former partner, David. David, he is a leader. He just don't want to leave me. But how do you lead a woman? How do you lead in a relationship? Like, what's the blueprint? David, you just asked the most important question. Listen to Family Therapy on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Danielle Moody here, host of the Woke AF Daily Podcast. We've been with iHeart for a year, and what a year it has been. As we head deeper into 2024 and yet another life-changing election cycle, Woke AF Daily is here to keep you sane and woke. Make Woke AF Daily your podcast destination for 2024 election news and analysis. Listen to Woke AF Daily Season 5 on the iHeart Radio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.